Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Today, I am graced by not only one, but two guests and two fabulous guests, amazing guests on the Sandro Forte podcast. Nathan Curley, there you are. Nathan Curry and Emily Everston are both part of the wonderful charity, Tangled Feet, who create theatre productions, offer paid internships and placements for disadvantaged young people, and have an amazing vision to help the next generation of creative artists. Nathan, Emily, I should say Emily Nathan, Girls Before Boys, thank you so much for coming on to the Sandro Forte podcast today. Not our usual subject matter, I have to say. Uh, do we even have a usual subject matter on the Sandro Forte podcast? I don't believe we do. But I love what you both do and all your colleagues. We'll talk about them and give them a give them a shout out. What you stand for and the impact you have on society. So I, I kind of felt compelled to invite you onto this uh, podcast, which reaches the four corners of the globe, but they've got to hear your story. So that's why it's all happened. Emily, Nathan, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having us, Sandra. Really happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you. And, and one of you went to the trouble of putting on a bit of mascara and lipstick, but I will let the listeners decide which one of the two of you it was. Definitely Nathan. I hope you enjoy how I hope you enjoy my face then, Sandra. <laughs> so, um, you know, we've gotten to know each other, haven't we, quite well over the last six months. Uh, and I have to say I've enjoyed every minute and I will continue to do so as we get to know each other better. And as I as I got to know you both, this kind of amazing story unfolded and I thought, you know, this story has got to be told on a, on a fairly big platform and, and the podcast now is that, I'm very proud to say. Um, I'm going to allow you to decide who answers the question and how you hand over because uh, juggling two people is, is um, not easy. Uh, probably a Philip Schofield might be able to do it, but, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a, a bang average podcaster. Um, so let's just start in the obvious place, I guess. Uh, backgrounds, where you come from, and, and I guess how those those rivers conjoined. You know, Emily meets Nathan meets Kat meets Becky and all the other people who are involved in Tangle Feet. Yeah, great. Thanks. Well, it, it was a really a meeting of, 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 of personalities, of minds, of, of, of friendship at Middlesex University. So we all went to Middlesex University. I came up from the West Country. Emily was a bit closer to home coming from Luton. And we did a theatre course there and almost 20 years ago now. And we'd already had a passion for making theatre. That's what led us to do the course in the first place. We had a passion for acting and making, making theatrical productions uh, and sort of exploring our own creativity. And over those three years at uni, we, we, we found each other. There were a group of 10 of us that started to form this sort of group, a bond, a, co a, co a cooperative of having an idea of making productions that were very visual, quite physical, almost dance-like, um, and, and sort of about the contemporary world and always original. And so we, were, we met each other, we always recognized each other with a shared passion for theatricality and originality. And then as university finished, it was like many graduates find, 
what do I do? I'm not, you know, there's not, there's not necessarily a pathway for making theatre out of university. You're not known, no one knows who you are. You can't pick up the phone and, 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 and ask for a job. You kind of have to make your own way. And like many people that you have on this podcast, it was kind of a step into the great unknown. And we were in the pub as all great journeys start. Uh, we, we, it was the summer, we just finished our course and we said, let's start a theatre company. Let's make our own way, let's make our own journey. So we were, we were drinking drinking a pint of the, of the beer Tanglefoot. And for those overseas visitors, it's a very sort of like English ale. And we thought actually Tangled Feet is a really fun name. It's sort of a group of people. It's sort of this idea of feet and legs connecting together. It's physical. And we just started making work. We started devising original theatre productions. We, we, we set ourselves a target that over the first year, we'd take no money out of the, uh, the organisation. We'd work for free. We'd meet on Tuesday evenings and on Sundays and we'd make a show. And that's what we did. And because of that, I guess, that commitment to each other, there was a commitment both personally of, of, of a shared journey, of a, of, of, of a friendship, but also this belief in, in the power of making theatre and what it could do for us and for other people. And then we made a show over that first year. We took it up to Edinburgh Fringe Festival, uh, and it was it was it did it was quite successful. And that therefore we got to tour it a little bit, and actually just really small steps in those first few years for meeting at university, just making one show at a time, and at the same time all going to do different things, or working in cafes, in in bars, and you know I worked for an insurance company for a bit. It took years and years and years to build any sort of you know stability which we'll come to later but at the start it was that sort of connection that sort of spark of connection between each other and then starting to build productions over a period of time whilst also going off and doing other things along, alongside that. Yeah and I think we had this kind of shared belief in what we wanted to make and of making something new and being original and creative and 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 bringing it to new people and new audiences and sharing our devising process with the with the audience but i think alongside that what we were what kind of happened in those first i think 10 years was that we all as nathan described all had to go off and, and kind of make our way in other ways and and make some money um and have different experiences and you know we were in our 20s and we're being led in different paths and we all did go off and have these different experiences at different points um i trained as a secondary school teacher and, and worked in a drama department for several years um and it but we always fed that back to the company and brought that learning back into the art and just that helped to push our artistic excellence i believe and our skills as a business and the coming back into those roles so for me now as participation director bringing my knowledge of the education sector and what that can do and how it can link with art and culture um and i think what was really key to that is that we were this group of friends and we were like a family and we still are and we wanted each other to go and do the things that we were passionate about but always stay connected as at the same time which i think we did amazing uh, let let if i may can i take everyone on this journey to the kind of the current time and then what we'll do is work backwards i think that would be a good place and the reason i'm saying that is because i think we need to kind of throw in some perspective here because a lot of people will be thinking okay this this lovely but disparate group of people sit down over a pipe tangled foot even i didn't know that nathan that's news to me um and and they 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 follow a passion right and and i guess in the back of your minds 
you're probably thinking, well, you know, in, in the arts, in theatre in particular, not many people make it financially. Uh, they pursue a dream uh, and, and it's, a, you know, for a hobby for some, a profession for others, but not many people make it financially. And as you say, um, Emily, you articulated it well, you know, how to go off and get other things, do other things. Um, you're a teacher or you're a work for an insurance company, wherever it might be. Um, but you have you have turned this now into something that is, um, you know, is of a size where you get Arts Council funding and it, it is a big concern. So to help people to understand that journey and kind of where you're at now, just to, as I say, add some perspective to this whole this whole piece. Yeah, there's a sort of second half to that story, isn't it? Because I think we've just described the first 10 years of the journey of the company. And then there's a second 10 years. We've been going almost 20 years now. And I think we two or three things happened. So firstly, we started making really strong connections with large, large organisations like the National Theatre, the British Council, Greenwich Docklands International Festival, Brighton Festival, Norfolk and Norwich Festival. And there, that, that was about our artistic excellence. So there were two things that we were doing. One thing that we're doing is making original stories, making original pieces of theatre uh, that were contemporary and about the world we live, and also making the, the invisible visible. So taking important stories that need to be told, like the stories of young carers or the stories of looked after children or the stories of, 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 of homeless, homeless people and putting them on, the, on, a, on a larger stage, on, on a, on a, on a, on a theatre stage. All of our productions happen outdoors. They happen in public space. And that's about bringing large audiences, thousands of people together for something which is quite event theatre. It's large scale, it's music, it's movement, it's pyrotechnics, but it's about something that's important to this society. So that show I'm describing there, One Million, which was a live band, 5,000 audience members, 100 participants, was all about youth and employment. It was all about the fact that one million and, uh, there were 1 million unemployed under 25 year olds. And we wanted to put that story at the center of something artistically brilliant. And that started to make us stand out of the crowd in the, th in the theater industry, that we were, we were doing things in a very different way. We were doing things very spectacularly with aerial, with circus, with live music, but also about something important. It was about something politically important and about something that was affecting the world around us. So as we started to get new partners on board, we also therefore attracted investment because people wanted to go on this journey with us. They're in, they, 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 they enjoyed our creativity. They, they were inspired by what we were, how we were doing it. So we received Arts Council funding, you know, that, that regularly over a number of years. And then we joined the Arts Council's portfolio of core funded companies, which is there are a number of organizations like the National Theatre, like the Royal Opera House, like Tangled Feet, that get money each year from the Arts Council of England to make work because they believe in what we're doing. We also receive money from trust and, um, trust and foundations like the Esme Fairburn Foundation. And that's all about investing in us as a group of people to deliver these opportunities, both audiences and, and, and participants. So now we'll make two or three productions a year. They may be outdoors, in public spaces, in high streets, in fields, in town squares or in theatres. And we also run a very, very large participation program that Emily heads up working with young people, which, which you can go into a bit more detail. And it was that journey of building a holistic theatre company. I often say to people, we're not just a theatre company. A theatre company only makes shows. We also facilitate experiences for young people. We train people. We offer internships. We, we mentor other young people, other people. We, 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 we give opportunities to individual artists. You know, we, 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 we're not just a theatre company. And I think that's when our 
level of interest in the sector changed. We stopped describing ourselves as a theatre company. We said, no, no, we make things happen. We make things happen for other people and for ourselves and for our audiences. And I think that sort of mindset, that shift of going, we're much more holistic in what we do, got there for now. We're, 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 we have a, a, a team of, of, of five which is very modest, I think, but it's for us. It's you know, it's it's, it's it feels really great. Five staff working full time, members of part time staff, freelancers, and 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 also we're 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 across different networks, schools, youth centres, um, social services, and audiences. So 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 it's that sort of broadening, and and Emily Emily can touch upon how the last ten years we've really broadened that working of young people in a really major way. Yeah, I think participation has become to us so integral to our work because it's about looking out to the communities that you're surrounded by and also listening, listening to what people want to see in theatre, what they want to see in art and also what where the need is. And for young people particularly, there is that need. It's not, I mean, straight off the bat, just being part of an artistic experience there's so much safety in that for a young person because you get to try things out you get to try out life um and you have these opportunities to be empathetic and um speak and explore your feelings and we found that we would we were doing that in quite a a, a a democratic way we were letting young people be equals with us and we were being led by their voice and what they wanted to see and what they wanted to see reflected in theatre um, and that has just continued to push us and it's important for us to be able to provide those safe spaces for young people um, to work um, and whether that's them seeing a career pathway it's not always easy as Nathan described earlier to see a career pathway in the arts and what that can look like. And hopefully we can help them to identify what that is. But it's not always about a career in the arts, but there's so many transferable skills that they can take with them from being part of an artistic opportunity, being part of a show or being involved in one of our targeted projects that they can then take on with them, you know, the, the social skills that you get from that, being part of a team, living out your, uh, and articulating your feelings in a safe space. Um, so that is really, really important to us. And there's a therapeutic element to, to what we're doing. It can be very cathartic to be involved in something. And it's not always a young person. In our show Half-Life that we made a couple of years ago, we worked with different participation, uh, different participants from different age groups. So we had 10 year olds, 20 year olds, and then older um, people involved in the performances up to 80. And it's really important for us to hear those different voices from different communities, from um, different age, age ranges. And it pushes us with our work. And I think pushes us to keep um, telling those stories, looking to others to see what we want to be reflected. And also these paid internships that we have, which are particularly in Luton where we're based, are really in, um, a really vital lifeline to young people that are interested in the arts. Um, to be able to have an experience where they're not going to have to be out of pocket whilst they're doing it. They are going to be paid and supported and mentored through that as well. Um, so we try to offer, um, you know, at least six uh, internships a year um, in Luton in over different areas. There might be performance internships, they might be technical, they might be directorial. Um, but we're committed to keeping that going and growing our internship programme. 
For many people listening today, having heard what you've just both articulated brilliantly, may I say, there'll be a lot of people thinking, I'll take a topical subject at the moment. Marcus Rashford is, is beating the drum brilliantly for, you know, free school meals and, and, and that's gaining a lot of traction and awareness. But, you know, kind of under the radar um, is this whole thing around the arts and, and all the things you've just described about. Uh, and, I, and I guess my question really is, does, does, does or do the arts have the, um, the ability to, to change people's lives? Um, because you talked about social skills and communication. And I remember my own kids being packed off to school saying, no, no, you're not going to do French. You're going to do drama because I was determined to develop their social skills. And I suppose in a world where there is more and more pressure on children to step back from the social skills that I guess we all took for granted when we were younger. Um, so I, I suppose maybe I'm in the process of answering my own question, but um, does what you do have the ability to change people's lives? Because from what you just said, it sounds very much as if it does. Yeah, I think there's two ways to answer this question. I'll start general and go specific. So this is a quote borrowed from Einstein, which is if you if you only teach children fact, they will only then create what they know, what's existed before. If you give them the experience of creativity, they will create new things because they are, they, are, they are playing in a new way. If you give a child a toy car and uh, they drive it on the floor for a minute and then it becomes an aeroplane and it goes in the air and then it crashes and becomes a robot. And it's that level of playfulness and improvisation and creativity and imagination that powers new things to happen. Otherwise, we just do the same thing every day that we've, we've always done. And I think that the, so the general answer is that art transforms all our lives constantly because we're imagining new things happening. We're, we're, we're listening to pieces of music, we're looking at bits of art, we're um, playing with our kids or telling jokes or, or wearing a piece of fashion and art actually changes how we behave and what we do. But specifically, art allows a place for us to take risks, to try things out, to try and characters, to grow empathy, to be a team, to grow confidence, to, um, you know, to, to, to get a sense of, to explore one your whole human self. And where do you explore your whole, whole human self in life? There's not many places to do that. But art allows moments to look at other characters, other stories, to try those stories out your, yourself, to witness yourself, to be witnessed, so to stand up and someone and tell your story as a young person and that story be witnessed and seen, as well as that story then being seen by a wider audience. And that could be said about theatre, could be said about literature, about music, you know, uh, you know, all those things are artistic. Going back to Marcus Rashford, he plays football in a, in a creative way. He wouldn't do the things he would do without a creative imagination about what could happen. And for, for me specifically, there's a project I just want to touch on that, that we made, a, a, a show called Need a Little Help, which we made with a group of young carers. So we run the young carers service for Croydon um, Borough Council. So Tangled Feet, a theatre company, run the young carers service, which means every Monday in Croydon, young carers in Croydon come to us and we offer drama therapy to them. And we, we they all meet together and they talk and share experiences around being a young carer. I've been a young carer, and there are more young carers in this country now because of the pandemic than ever before, means it's something that happens often behind closed doors. It's hidden away. You might not even know within, your, in, within a classroom who is a young, a young carer. And we worked with those young people to make a show together. So they were like the creative advisors. So as well as going through drama therapy, we built a show with them. They came to rehearsals. We employed professional actors, a designer, 
And then they told their story. They witnessed, the young carers witnessed their story on a, th a theatre stage. And then we toured that around the UK, uh, you know, over 40, ve 40 venues. And the confidence that gave them to see their story being told and that experience of watching their story play out and, and it was about their value in society, that we have value as a, as a young carer looking after your grandparents or your sister. And those, those young people, I've watched them change over five years, their lives change. One of them now is a young trustee on our board and she started off as a, as a nine-year-old, as a, one of our young carers. And I think that that's how art can get inside people's, particularly at a young age, but, but I have, I, all, all of us can be transformed by, by art. But um, particularly at a young age, there's a, there's a, there's a level of, of um, self-affirmation that you have value that the arts can give you so then you can go and fulfill your potential. The more I listen to you both speak, the more I realise why it was so important to get you both onto the podcast, because uh, you are addressing this classic paradigm, in my view. I mean, I've spent some time in the arts, uh, but I think the paradigm that I'm referring to is this feeling, you know, amongst the general population that the arts, to, to, to get involved in the arts means... I have to have the ability, the confidence to stand on the stage in front of 600 people um, and perform. And I can't possibly do that. But what you're both describing is arts at a, at a different at a different level and an accessibility that I think a lot of people probably don't know exists. So I suppose my question is around accessibility. Do you see what you do as being accessible enough? Which I clearly would like more people to be involved in for it to be available to more people. But how do people kind of get involved? How do they, how do they walk through that metaphorical door to, to get involved in some of the things that you're doing? That's, a, that's such a great question, Sandro, because it's at the very heart of everything we do is about how do we reach more people and where are they and how do, how do we meet them? But, but, but also that perception that I think most of the general public have, not only in the, in, in the UK, but around the world, that is art for them. And it's, of course it is. We all start by our lives by playing, by, by, by picking up a pencil and doodling or by singing or by acting out little stories with our friends when we're at school. But and somehow life changes that and, and the playfulness of, of, of within your life and the trying things out and testing things disappears and it, the fear of failure becomes very prevalent. So, so there's something happening at the moment in this country, entangled feet on the, at the very front of it, which is about how do we make the arts more accessible? And that's partly about where does art exist? And, 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 and in Victorian Britain, there was sort of a sense that art should be in buildings, art galleries, art in frames. You go to the gallery and you look at the art in a frame. And that happened with theatre. You go to the theatre and there is a building. Now, what we're leading on Untangled Feet are, are, are sort of the champions of this is, no, 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 art needs to be everywhere. It needs to be as you go out to do the shops, you see a dancer in the street or hear some music. When you go to the library to get some books, you see a piece of theatre. As you go to the supermarket to do your shopping, there's going to be a wonderful mural on the wall. The art needs to be spread out. So part of our job as Tangled Feet and part of the reason that we you know, looking for support, looking for partnerships, is to take our art to places. So going out to new places, to people's places of work, going to Barclays headquarters and making art happen there, or going into the town centre happening there. Alongside that, we're also looking at where our performances take place, like could they be more in libraries and community centres and schools, and as well as in theatres. And there's various ways, I'll, I'll touch on a bit later, a bit more how to get involved directly, but ultimately, we want to reach audiences where they are primarily. We, we don't think it's always about them. Come, we're based in Luton, but we work nationwide. Last week we were in Norwich, the week before we were in Cambridge, 
next week I'm in Cumbria. Um, and, and actually, it's often about us going to places, starting new projects and partnerships there, but also about that as what you touched upon, which is the, the philosophical point of view about art being part of, for all of us in whatever way we do it. It could be singing a song, it could be um, dreaming up a new story, but about how do we get that embedded in society? And I think the big vision for Tangled Feet is not just about making one great show that gets one good review in, in a national paper. It's about making sure everyone has access to storytelling, telling stories, telling their story, authoring their story. And there's no reason why that can't happen, but it's a big, it's a big, big vision, which is about how we look particularly theatre happening within everyone's life every day, as opposed to in these specialist sort of palaces, which, which, which always continue, that sure will always happen. And I think that we are looking to make partnerships very broadly with young people's organisations, with education sector, with business, um, and also within government to go, how can we work together to make sure everyone is accessing, you know, it's the Marcus Ashworth thing, isn't it? Which is like for everyone. You know, it's for everyone and art could be accessed. And, and I think Emily can paint a picture of a very troubling situation in schools at the moment that we Tangled Feet are trying to address as well about access. Yeah, it's a very, um, it's a challenging time for schools with lots of the arts subjects being squeezed out and that pressure on schools of what they have to deliver and, and what's happening to the to art departments, to drama departments, to dance departments across our country. Um, and we have a role as a national portfolio organisation of the Arts Council to help to support that and to support schools. And certainly locally for us in Luton, we're trying to do that. And we want to push that and, and help schools nationally um, to be able to keep students having those spaces that we spoke about that were safe spaces to explore your own lived experience, to try things out, to develop, you know, those skills that you were talking about your children going to do when um, they went to do drama, to have all those transferable skills because they are vital and they will be needed for the rest of your life. And if you are not having the opportunity to be in a drama studio or in a school hall, testing those things out when you're 13 years old, where is the space for those? So with that challenge and with that actually being the case, unfortunately, in lots of schools now, Tangle Feet has a role to help support that and to keep providing those safe spaces for young people to learn, develop and have those shared experiences with others. And to, like Nathan said, witness their own story being told, um, witness um, their um their development of their own skills and know that that is something that they are working on as themselves in as a person and also to see uh, how teamwork works and how it can develop you as a person and uh, um, so that's really important to us and that's something we want to keep working on going into schools delivering workshops having people come to us on work placements and and develop their skills that's really really important it's a, it's a question i'd love to i'd love to throw out to your listeners which is like where 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 do we see empathy in in, in society now where do we see, we're, we're living in times that are quite divisive and people have to have an opinion about something straight away so you can't you can't say i don't know anymore you've got to be like what do you think about that and i, I often look around and go where does empathy exist and i think that the arts and, and theater particularly is a, is a is a place where you can you can ask yourself what is it like for that character? What, what, what do I feel about that character? 
you know, what, what is that character going through? And I think that's really important for, for our young people, but all, for all of us at the moment in the world to go, how do, we, how do we grow our empathetic skills and then learn what it's like? And I think in any walk of life, if you can put yourself in someone else's shoes, you're already a step forward because you're seeing the world from that perspective and that opens up a million doors. And I think that, that that's something that we're... We, we, we want to launch a big project in the next few years and we're looking for partners which will all be about empathy an empathy project using using performance to sort of grow empathetic skills in our society i've um, i've heard sorry emily i've heard you emily mention a couple of times and i heard um nathan refer to a couple of times too the word challenge um now you obviously run a a, a charity and uh, but that charity has grown and now it's being run like a business as it should be um, money in, you know, money has to be allocated and spent wisely in order to achieve the best possible outcomes for all the people that you help. Um, clearly, as a inverted commas charitable business, let me phrase it like that, there are going to be some roadblocks and some bumps along the way. And the reason I'm asking you this question is because we get a lot of people who run businesses or who aspire to run business. How do you deal with the inevitable challenges of life, business, um, it's kind of the it's it's the the perennial unanswered question and i'd be very interested to know from your respective perspectives how you deal with the challenges that life inevitably throws at you whether it's as a parent as a business owner um in terms of you know accessibility and some of the other challenges that you've been referring to so far how do you deal with those as as, as an organization yeah i mean my immediate thought sanjo is two things one is it's flexibility and agility that 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 we we are often in situations as a, as a charity where funding is difficult or we we apply for money a lot. One of our big jobs is applying for money and then not getting it or getting it and having to change the plan very quickly. So and and also touching on the on the answer earlier about our lives, we don't work for Tangled Feet, Emily and I full time. We're still part time members of staff and we do other things. It's because we have to have an agility to our own personal lives to be able to sort of grow and and, and shape. And actually, when roadblocks come, it's about thinking, right, let's think of this in a different way. This is a this is not this is obviously a difficult we haven't got the funding for this or we can't quite afford that or this project's not going to land. But I think the flexibility that's in, embedded in us enables us to go, OK, well, we can we can find a different solution to this. The other thing is something that a lot of your guests have said to this answer I, I from listening to your podcast is about the people we work with and that the people that founded Tangled Feet. It's very, very rare in, in the theatre industry for a company to be founded by, by 10 people almost 20 years ago, and those 10 people to be pretty much all still there, you know, it, 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 trusting in the process. We will have failures, we will have setbacks, we have had many, many setbacks and failures, but the people, you're still looking at the same people in the rain, trying to push the car up the hill, and you know, that they're still the same people there, and you go, we've done this before together, Let's do let's do this again together. We'll, we'll we'll come back and and you know that 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 sense of a shared journey and looking after each other and caring for each other with with a level of of, of flexibility and, and agility. It often it also means we're really really good at our job because then we can kind of do anything if you've got the people that you trust next to you and you can be flexible to go like oh, we thought there was going to be a performance today, but it, it's raining and none of the children have turned up and we're going to try and do it in a, in a different way. 
you just know you've got you know you can do it because you've done it before so that those two things for me feel really important to how personal challenges as well like an, a flexibility and a sort of sense of the people will look after each other yeah there's that shared it's going back to that shared belief in each other and what we're trying to do and through going through all those challenges together over the years it's like Nathan said you can look at each other and say okay we've done this before and we're nimble we can move quickly we can be agile and adapt and flex and we've had to do that we had to do that in Covid and we did it really successfully and just flipped a lot of what we were doing